Hey ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today's lesson will cover chapters 2 through 10 of Jeremiah. As we learned yesterday in verse 2 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah, his ministry began in the 13th year of Josiah's reign, and it went through the time that Judah was exiled by Babylon. They also destroyed the temple and burnt down the walls of Jerusalem. Dr. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said the key words for Jeremiah are Judah's last hour. If you remember, Isaiah's was salvation because the Lord saved Judah from the attack of Assyria because King Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed unto the Lord. This time of Jeremiah can be found in 2 Kings chapters 22 through 25 and 2 Chronicles chapters 34 through 36. There are a few historical things I want to bring to your attention as we go into this section of Jeremiah. One thing to keep in mind is the location of Israel. It is a small strip of land by the Mediterranean Sea, but most of the time the Philistines and the Phoenicians actually had the coastal area. Another thing to keep in mind is that there are mountain ranges which limited where the roadways were, and the location of Israel and Judah were in between Egypt in the south and Assyria, Babylon, Midians, and Persians to the north. So even though they were small, they were the passageway that connected the two continents. Next is that the nation of Israel was never, let me say it again, never a world power. It was at its largest during King Solomon, and it was known for King Solomon's wisdom and wealth, but even then it was not a world power but they were surrounded by world powers. This is why in Isaiah's day, King Hezekiah paid tribute money to the king of Assyria so that they could stay an independent country and not be taken over by Assyria. Now, this stage in history is a time of transition of these world powers. Assyria, which was in the north, was the big dog. They took the northern tribe of Israel in 722 BC and totally wiped them out and moved the people to various other countries which Assyria had conquered. They tried to take Judah, but God fought for them. In 633 BC, the Assyrian king died, and as usual in history, this caused a split and chaos in Assyria as to who the next king would be. So, King Josiah of Judah took this opportunity to stop paying tribute money to Assyria. The Babylonians also took this opportunity to try to become the top dog, and the capital of Assyria, Nineveh, fell in 612 BC. The Egyptians to the south traveled north 
through Judah in order to aid the Assyrians and fight against the Babylonians. Again, these three right now are the three main world powers. So the Egyptians to the south traveled north through Judah in order to aid the Assyrians and fight against the Babylonians at the Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC. King Josiah took this opportunity to try and defeat the Egyptian king Pharaoh Echo at Mount Megiddo. By the way, many people believe that this is the place of Armageddon. Unfortunately, Judah's last good king, Josiah, became mortally wounded in his attack on the Egyptian king, which this begins Judah's last hour with the next king Jehoahaz. Assyria and Egypt lost that battle. Egypt ran home with her tail between her legs, but on the way, she stopped off in Judah to pressure them to now become a vassal to Egypt and to pay them tribute money. But it didn't work because Babylon is coming, Babylon is coming. One thing that I thought was interesting in Dr. Betts' class is he said, I often thought of Josiah's death as God's kindness to him to, quote, take him home so that God's wrath could come upon Judah. Josiah would not have to go through that time, end of quote. Yet Jeremiah had to live through that time, and thankfully he did, because we have the word of the Lord in our hands to read about it. Well, that's enough history for today. Woohoo! So let's take a look at chapters 2 through 10 of Jeremiah. Chapter 2, verse 1 starts, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah was to go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem and say, I remember your faithfulness. It is a picture of a marriage between God and Israel. In verse 4, Jeremiah is to speak to the house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Then God asks, What injustice did your fathers find in me? that they went far from me. This is the theme throughout these chapters. In verse 13, the Lord says his people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the Lord and they have gone after idols. These idols are described as broken cisterns that can hold no water. In verse 26, we see that the leaders of the house of Israel led them down this path. The kings, the princes, the priests, and the prophets, even the religious leaders, had become corrupt. The result of their turning away from the Lord is found in verse 36. You will be put to shame by Egypt as you were put to shame by Assyria. Chapter 3, the Lord uses the image of marriage again, and we see starting in verse 6 that Israel was faithless to the Lord and fell into adultery by going after false gods. Verse 8 says, And I saw that for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear but she went and was a harlot also. Even then, the Lord calls Israel to repent. If they would just acknowledge their sin against the Lord, and if they would turn to the Lord, then the Lord would allow them to return to Zion. 
Then the Lord talks of a future day. In those days, the house of Judah will walk with the house of Israel, and they will come together from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers as an inheritance. Verse 18. In that place, they would call the Lord Father. Verse 19. In chapter 4, the Lord announces an evil from the north is coming to Judah. But even then, there is a cry to them to wash their heart from evil so that they will be saved. And then starting in verse 19, we have a song of lament from the Lord about Judah and her devastation that is coming. In verse 27, we see that even though the whole land will be a desolation, yet, yet, I will not execute a complete destruction. Ladies, that is called grace. Chapter 5 talks of the godlessness of Jerusalem and how there is not one who does justice or seeks truth. Verse 1. The Lord declares he is bringing a nation from afar against them. Verse 15. Again, we see grace in verse 18. Yet even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not make you a complete destruction. Verse 19 is key. It shall come about when they say, Why has the Lord our God done all these things to us? Then you shall say to them, As you have forgotten me, and served foreign gods in your land, so you will serve strangers in a land that is not yours. The destruction talk continues in chapter 6, and yet God is calling them still to repent. Verse 16 and verse 17 say, Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the ways, and see, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And I, God, set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We would not listen. Therefore, ladies, they are an example to the nations and to the earth. Again, in chapter 6, we see that the enemy from the north is coming. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah again in chapter 7, and this time he was to go and proclaim in the gate of the Lord's house where the people come to worship the Lord. Here the Lord refers to himself as the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies, verse 3. The Lord asks about the temple. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I have seen it, declares the Lord. Now, where have you heard that from? Yep. Jesus, when he turned the tables of the money changers in Matthew 21, verse 13, Mark chapter 11, verse 17, and Luke chapter 19, verse 46. In verse 12, the Lord asked the people to go to his place in Shiloh, where he made his name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. This is a reference to before there were kings in Israel, and the tabernacle was located in the town of Shiloh. In like manner, 
Eli the priest had two wicked sons, and Eli feared them more than he feared the Lord. The Israelites were fighting the Philistines and losing, so they came to Shiloh and brought the Ark of the Covenant to fight as a lucky charm. Yet the Israelites still lost because of their sinfulness and the sinfulness of the priests. Eli's sons died, and when Eli got the news that his sons were dead, and then when he heard that the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, he fell over and died. This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 2-11. through 11. The Lord says that he will do to the temple what he did with the tabernacle, as well as burn the temple to the ground because of the people's sinfulness. This also helps pave the way in the New Testament book of Hebrews that the Lord does not dwell in places built by human hands, but in an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I just now thought of the, there's a verse where Jesus talks about the temple and how it will be torn down and rebuilt in three days because the true temple is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit dwells within us believers, then we become the sanctuary of the Lord God. Dr. Betts says that verses 23 and 24 of chapter 7 are some key verses of Jeremiah. And it says this, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in the way which I commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart, and they went backwards and not forward. Chapter 8 continues with the unfaithfulness of the people of Judah, and Dr. Betts says that verses 11 and 12 are the other key verses of the book of Jeremiah. They heal the brokenness of the daughter of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace! But there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they had done? They certainly were not ashamed, and they did not know how to blush. Therefore they fall among those who fall. At the time of their punishment, they shall be brought down, says the Lord. This is in reference to the leaders who say that everything is fine, but it's not fine. What we will find is that Jeremiah, the true prophet of the Lord, is crying out destruction and repentance, and the religious leaders resent him for it, and Jeremiah suffers for it. We have a second song of lament over Zion, starting in chapter 9. In verses 12b through 14, we again see the why in this upcoming destruction, why is the land ruined, laid waste like a desert, so that no one passes through? The Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their heart, and after the bales as their fathers taught them. 
In verses 25 and 26, we see a beginning of judgment to the nations. The circumcised are the Jews, and the uncircumcised are the Gentiles, which in verse 25 are listed as Egypt, Edom, Ammon, and Moab. These are the nations to the south and east of Judah. In other words, the country that is coming to take over Judah will also be taking them over as well, which leads to the gods of the Gentiles and how they are made by human hands, and there is no comparison to the Lord. He is described in chapter 10 as the King of the nations, the true God, the living God, the everlasting King, and the Maker. This section ends with a prayer of Jeremiah. I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, or you will bring me to nothing. Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the families that do not call your name, for they have devoured Jacob. They have devoured him and consumed him and have laid waste his habitation. When we studied the Psalms, we learned that this type of prayer is called an imprecatory prayer. It is a prayer for God to get the enemy. So far in this book, Babylon is not mentioned, just the northern nation, but it will be soon. If you remember way back with King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 12 through 21 and in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, especially verse 31, that Isaiah prophesied that because the king of Judah had shown the Babylonians everything in his kingdom, that they would come and take over everything of the land. But it would not be in Hezekiah's time, but his children's time. And this seemed okay to Hezekiah. He did not cry out or pray to the Lord for mercy on this issue. In the passage in Second Chronicles, it says that this was to test the king's heart to see what was in it. So ladies, what's in your heart? Is it stubborn against the Lord or are you obedient? Even Jeremiah cries out for the Lord's correction. Is there something you need to ask for correction about or ask for forgiveness? Are you walking in the Lord's way or in your way? Are you a woman who seeks justice and loves the truth, no matter how scary that truth is? One thing we see in this passage is that there are two laments of the Lord. This shows us that he does not delight in the judgment, but he allows it because he is holy and just and righteous. It is similar to a parent who needs to discipline her child. It's hard, but we must if our children are to learn right from wrong. It's even harder when you're a grandparent. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter writes in his second letter, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, ladies, this does not say that all will come to repentance, 
but that he desires that they would. We see very clearly in the Bible thus far that many, many do not repent. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As long as we have breath, as long as we have today, we have a chance to get right with the Lord. But the day of the Lord is coming. Are you ready? Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.